0: Welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more messages and resources, please visit allpeoples.com or download our free All People's Church app. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, good morning. So excited to begin a new series this morning entitled Teach Us to Pray. And I thought I'd begin with something funny. I love it when you say funny and people start laughing already. Two junior high students were walking home from school when they decided to take a shortcut through a cattle pasture. As they're walking through the field, they spot an enraged bull. Instantly, they dart towards the nearest fence. The storming bull followed in hot pursuit, and it was apparent that they weren't going to make it. Terrified, one shouted to the other, send up a prayer, Johnny, we're not going to make it. Johnny answered, I can't. I've never prayed publicly in my whole life. But you must, cried his companion. The bull's catching up to us. All right, patted Johnny, stops and says, I'll say the only prayer I know, the one my father used to repeat at the dinner table. Oh, Lord, for what we're about to receive, make us truly thankful. Uh, While we're doing this series through these weeks, we're going to be giving you helps to really engage in prayer. And so I want to encourage you to log on to our website or on to our app. We have an app in the App Store. And for the next few days, we'll have a devotional that goes along with our message this morning. So it's a great way for you to engage in your own personal FaceTime as we dive into this series and just pray with me as we begin. Father, we're asking for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to be on us, Lord, we want you to make us a people of prayer. That's why we're doing this sermon series. And so I pray, Lord, that you'd get me out of the way and that your Holy Spirit would speak powerfully to us as we engage in this oh-so-important topic in Jesus' name. If you turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, that's where we are today. You know, if there's one thing that the Hebrew people, the children of Israel understood, it was that God is holy. It was God is holy. And they understood, they learned from Moses that God came in a pillar of fire. They actually saw with their own eyes this pillar of fire. They followed it, a cloud by day, and then they saw the presence of God descend on Mount Sinai. A storm, thunder, lightning, a voice like a trumpet. They were fearful to even approach. They said, Moses, you talk to God. We can't talk to him on our own. They understood the holiness of God. And then as you move through the Old Testament, you come to Isaiah. And Isaiah said, just the train of his robe." Just the, the end of his robe filled the temple with glory. And when Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up, he says, the man who is closest to God on the whole earth at the time, he says, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. Then you move forward to Ezekiel, and Ezekiel on the banks of the Tiber River is praying, and he sees God come in this supernatural windstorm, and he looks into the storm, and he sees these all-striking four living supernatural creatures surrounding this throne, and on the throne is one who's glowing like bronze Melting in a fire with a face like the sun, he understands it's the ancient of days. And it says Ezekiel falls on his face as though dead. If there's one thing the Israelites knew from the Old Testament, it was God is holy. God is transcendent other. And so that's why it's so astounding when these Israelite disciples came to Jesus, the Messiah, and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. How do we talk to the ancient of days? How do we talk to the creator of the world? How do we talk to the just judge? How do we talk to the king of kings and lord of lords? And Jesus says this in Matthew 6, 9. This then is how you should pray. Our father. Our father. Do you understand the the profundity of those two words? After the disciples had understood the glory and majesty and omnipotence of God, the same God who spoke and flung the stars into space, he spoke and he made the mountains and the vast ocean that in a, a moment he could breathe life into man. In a moment he could wipe out an enemy army and then God says, through Jesus, when you pray, approach me with our Father. And let's just take it uh, one step further. Jesus actually said, Abba, Abba. If you study that word in the Aramaic, it's a, it's a, a word from the ancient Syriac or Chaldees. It's one that speaks with a warm, familial affection. There's actually no equivalent in the English language, but the closest equivalent would be the word daddy. You know, the, the, the word daddy is the first word that almost every child speaks. Daddy or dada. I remember the first time my children said that, dada. I'm like, oh, yeah, and I was like, what's up, Steph? <laughs> and, it's my wife's birthday tomorrow, 40th birthday. You can tell her happy birthday uh, if you see her. Uh, but but the, the first word, dada, and, and and so the Hebrew people knew this word Abba. Abba. They, they would have been used to their, their little babies. Their first word to ever be spoken would have been Abba. And so think. Of, of how astounding that is that Jesus is saying, when you come to the sovereign master of the universe, come and say, Abba. Come with baby talk on your lips. Come to the creator of the universe with baby talk. Abba. Abba. It's, it's absolutely astounding. Uh, today, we're going to study two words. Two words in Scripture, our Father. I promise you we'll cover more in other sermons, but we have to start here because it sets the foundation for our prayer life because our desire as a church is to become a people who know how to converse with the living God. And Jesus actually gave us a template. It's called the Lord's Prayer. He was teaching his disciples how to pray. And each phrase, we'll be going through the phrases over this next series, so please join us every week. Each phrase is like a doorway into a living room with God. But you have to get the foundation to start. And so I want to talk about these two words, our Father. Let's start with the word our today. Our. What is the word our? The word our speaks of possession. It speaks of possession. Think about what a revelation this would have been and, and, and perhaps you just you know maybe it's not often mentioned but when you hear people just in the secular world talking about god what do they say how do they speak of god you might hear a phrase something like you know the man upstairs or you might hear a, a nebulous term like the divine or i hear about people that they kind of have a deistic view that call him the great clockmaker in heaven that these these distant words, and yet Jesus is trying to make things very personal with the word "our." And when you say the word "our," it's it's possession. It means belonging. Something that belongs to me. Something that's ours is is different than just. That over there, you know, I, I understand this as a father. Uh, to, to many people, I'm, you know, they drive by my house and they see me out working in my yard and they say, there's that guy who lives on Old Campo Road. There's, there's that guy. Or, or yesterday on the soccer field, they might have said, there's that soccer coach of the Red Flash football club. Or they might say, hey, that, there's that pastor of all people's church. But to my children, when they look at me, they'd say, he's ours. He's ours. You know, and then you get the word Father. And the word Father speaks of position. The word Father speaks of position. Where the word ours speaks of possession, it's something that's ours. It's something that belongs to us. It's something that we own, something that's meaningful to me. The word Father speaks of position. What is the position I have with God, and what is his position in my life. We immediately are let in on the secret that when you approach the omnipotent God, you're actually supposed to come with him, with your understanding of him as father, as daddy. You know, to, to some people, uh, I'll often get mail that will say, Mr. Robert Michael Herbert Jr., and that's my name. That's my formal name, but I, I, I always know someone's relationship to me if they say hello Mr. Robert Michael Herbert Jr. Right or, or, or some some people will come up and say hello Mr. Herbert right? it's a very formal name and although it's my name it's very formal or other people might say Pastor Robert and although that's me that's my title but I want to tell you I would actually correct my children if they came up to me in the morning and said Pastor Robert would you hold me? Or, or, or they came in and said, hello, Mr. Herber. You know, I would, I would actually correct them. Because I want to tell you, there's nothing sweeter for me as their father to hear them say, Daddy. Hi, Daddy. Will you hold me, Daddy? Or my, my kids in a, when they were young. Hold me, Daddy. You know, or hold you. <laughs> there's nothing that rings with more beauty in the ears of a father the word daddy and when you approach God in prayer he's teaching us beyond coming and saying God in heaven beyond saying Lord he he actually says the the actual way I want you to approach me is our father possession and position and if he's our father that makes us his child You come to God knowing you're a beloved child. You're a beloved child. And I want to take a a few moments today to actually look at these, these scriptures. You know, there's 181 times in the four gospels where Jesus is referring to the Father. He makes it crystal clear that the primary revelation of God, the creator of the universe, is Father to you. But this morning, I want to specifically look at three scriptures in the Bible that actually call Father God, Abba, Daddy. Because I think we can gain from this tremendous revelation that sets us up to have the right paradigm of prayer. So we're going to begin with Galatians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. Galatians 4, 3 through 6. This is in the English Standard Version. It says, in the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. We were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you were sons, God has sent his, the spirit of a son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. What does this mean? It means when we were born into this world, we were under the yoke of slavery. We were under the law of sin and death. We were separated. You know that there's two types of people on earth. There's ones that are spiritually alive, and ones that are spiritually dead. There's ones that are receiving the love of God, and ones that are under the rule of Satan. And God wants us to know as we come to him, that we are children, that we are adopted, that we can approach with confidence. You know, if you don't have that love, your heart will slowly die. I'm reminded of a story that we read years ago of an orphanage in Russia. There had been famine in the land and disease, and so many children were brought into this one orphanage for caretaking. And slowly, numerous ones of these poor orphans started to die. And so the Russian government sent in researchers, sent in medical personnel to ascertain what was the cause of these children's death. And what they found was very surprising because they found that all of their basic needs were being met. They were receiving the food that they needed. They weren't being left in soiled clothing. They were being changed. They had the appropriate liquid they, they needed. They had a healthy sanitary Circumstances to live in. But what they did find is that there were so many children and so few caretakers that all the caretakers could do was to meet their physical needs and they weren't being held. These children were not being picked up and cared for and these children were not be, being sung to or spoken to. And so what the psychologists, the specialists discerned was these children were giving up their will to live because no one loved them. They were literally dying of broken hearts because they were not adopted into loving families and given the love that every human needs. They were giving up their will to live and dying. Now juxtapose that to something that happened to me a couple years after I read that story. I was speaking at a conference in in Russia. I was on the out in the hinterlands in Siberia, and we flew back to Moscow. My dad was with me. He was my traveling companion on this trip. We fly back to Moscow before we return home for, uh, after this conference, and I wasn't prepared for what I would see. As we came into the gate or the waiting room to get on the Moscow to New York flight, we walk in, and it's just an uproar with all these kids. At the time, so many children were being adopted out of Russia, all these little babies. And, and, you know, these parents that had wanted kids for so long, all of a sudden, in an instant, they're a parent, and they are freaking out. They have no idea what to do, and they're trying to shove food in these babies' faces and put pacifiers in their mouths. And they have these massive baby system strollers that they're rocking the babies back and forth. And so, Dad and I kind of drift to the middle of the room uh, to, to get away from the chaos and in the middle of the room was a father and this father also had an adopted child but this one was older she was about four or five and if you've ever seen the movie Heidi she looked just like Heidi she had these long blonde braided pigtails and she was straddling her father and the father was doing something that touched my heart He would hold her and he'd look at her. And I I bet it was the only words that she understood in English. He would look at her right in the face and go, I love you. And that girl, the second she'd hear I love you, she'd go like this. (laughs) She'd wiggle. She'd go, whoo And then she'd do this. She'd throw up her arms and go, wee. And she'd let herself fall. And she'd fall back trusting that the father would catch her, and then he'd he'd let her go like this, and then he'd bring her back up and put her her nose right to his and go, I love you. And again, she'd go, and throw her arms back. My dad and I had walked to the middle of the room. He looked at me. I looked at him. We both said, excuse me, and walked off to each corner and started bawling. (laughs) Very embarrassing for these grown men to cry. It was one of the most beautiful sights I'd ever seen. We Got on the plane a few minutes later, and as we were on the plane, it was just an uproar. It was so loud, so many babies crying. I mean, it sounded like we were in a nursery. And we're flying on our trip to New York, and I'm, you know, I couldn't sleep, so I get up to use the facilities in the back of the plane, and all these kids are kicking and screaming and fighting, and I walk past where this father and this daughter is, and it was the most beautiful sight. She was just nestled up, sleeping like the most quiet little baby in his lap. And I, it was like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, that's a child who understands what it means to be adopted by a loving father. Can I tell you that that's God's heart for you this morning? To know that when you come to your place of prayer, that you're adopted as a beloved child of the father you know so many of us don't feel like we can pray because we are so aware of our weaknesses we're so aware of our sin of the of the way that we've fallen short and that's actually true the bible says that all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And so we feel that. Maybe we did something last night. Maybe you didn't pray this morning before you came to church because you did something last night. You went out and you got drunk and you're like, I can't believe I did that. I, so I can't draw near to God. I just I can't approach Him. Or, Man, if you just knew what I've been thinking or if you knew the thing I did or I had this skeleton in this closet that if anyone knew, they know I can't approach God. Other people in church can approach God, but I can't approach God. This scripture though, shows us it's not about what you've done. The Father sent the Son, Jesus. Jesus came, and when he died on the cross, he took your sins. Every single person in this room is a sinner. None of us can approach God in our own merit. No one's good enough. Your sweet granny is not good enough. She's a sinner. She needs Jesus Every pastor needs Jesus. Every missionary needs Jesus. Mother Teresa needed Jesus. We all need Jesus. And Jesus died on the cross. And because of his death... On the cross and his resurrection from the dead, defeating the power of sin and death, he took your sins on his body in the tree so that you could die to sin. His blood washes us clean so then we can go with confidence because we've been saved, we've been set free, we've been adopted. You can approach him not because of who you are, but because of who he is, not because of what you've done, but because of what he's done and who he makes you to be. You're a child. My children can have the worst day ever, and every morning is new in our house. And they can come and get in my lap. I don't care what they did the day before. And in fact, I don't even let them in that way. At the end of the night, I jump on them and I smother them with kisses, no matter how bad they were, because they're mine. You're His. Because He's our Father, I'm forgiven, and I can approach Him. If you're taking notes this morning, please write that down. Because he is Father, I'm forgiven, and I can approach him, and I can approach him with confidence. Let's look at this next Abba verse. Romans eight fifteen, The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you've received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Because he is Father, I don't have to live in fear. This is a word for someone today. Because he is Father, I don't have to live in fear. Fear is an epidemic today. I've never lived in such a time where people had more fear. Everywhere we turn, there's something to fear. 9/11 9-11, today, the, the commemorating 15 years ago, what happened is a day of fear for many people, a day that showed we are susceptible to terrorist attacks. And every week we see on the news in some medium another terrorist attack. There is a tremendous fear of the next terrorist attack. There's a a fear of violence. You guys know that last year, there was a school shooting every single day. People, there's just so many things to fear, and we've got the Zika virus, we've got AIDS, and we've got these diseases, and and then we have the possibility of economic despair. I mean, there's so many things that people are fearing, and then we have the fear of being bullied, or the fear of being rejected. Do you know that you can be free from the slavery of fear? Father wants you to live free from the slavery of fear. You didn't receive a spirit that makes you slave again to fear. If you receive the spirit of the enemy who's over people who are not born of the spirit, you did receive a spirit of fear. But God gives you a spirit of sonship. You know, I, I, I learned this through this experience I had with my grandfather. I was playing soccer. My parents were out of town. My grandfather took me to my soccer game, and I was playing goalie out on the field. And there was a fast break, and this forward comes down, and it's just me and him. And so I go and I throw myself in front of the shot, and the kid's foot just square kicks me right across the ribs. I I felt like my ribs were broken, completely knocks the air out of me, and I don't know if you've ever had that experience where your air is completely knocked out of you, and you can't get your next breath. It's one of the most fearful things you can experience. You go, uh, uh, and you think you're going to suffocate. I remember the fear that just paralyzed me in that moment, and I'm laying on the ground, and I can't catch my next breath, and the referee doesn't do anything and says, play on, and all the parents are in uproar, uproar on the lines, and I, I, my eyes are big because I, I cannot get my next breath. And the referee says, play on, and people start screaming. And the next thing you know, my grandfather's 5 10-gallon cowboy hat, massive cowboy boots, runs out onto the field. Boom, boom, like Goliath. Boom, boom. And this little ref looks at him and goes, sir, get off the field. And my grandfather puts his massive six foot five, 300 pound arm in front of him. His arm wasn't six foot five and 300 pounds, but you get the the idea. And he goes, that's my grandson. And the ref goes, okay, totally backs away. My grandfather comes and swoops me up in his cowboy love. And that day I got a revelation of the love of God. That father's heart that says, you don't have to fear. In your pain, I will come and rescue you. I am covering you. I shield you with my wings. The name of the Lord is a strong tower that the righteous can run into, and they are safe. He's a protector and defender. He's a righteous judge to his people. Because he is Father, you don't have to live in fear. And so we come to him in prayer, not in a place of freaking out, but in a place of confidence, saying certainly you're bigger than Robert Herbert's granddad. He's big, and he will protect you. You don't have to live in fear. Mark 14, 35 through 36, going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible The hour might pass from him. This is Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. It's a fascinating time where Jesus chooses to cry out and use the word Abba, to use the word Daddy. He's been understanding that he's going to the cross, and now he's in the garden alone. He's on his knees, and and he's praying, and it says he said, Abba, Father, All things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Because he is my father, I can be real with my pain. Do you see this? Do you learn this lesson from Jesus in Gethsemane? So oftentimes we think we can have to come with this perfect religious posture. But Jesus demonstrates I mean, Jesus is going to the cross. He knew he was going to the cross, and he says, Daddy, Father, is there any way you can take this away from me? God is okay with you coming and bringing your complaint. God is okay with you bringing your pain. You can be real. Some years ago when I was a college pastor serving in a church in Texas, An organization came out, and they decided to just malign me, to defame me. They wrote a paper and distributed it to thousands of people on our campus with all these lies about me, just hating on me. And I remember my heart just being broken, and I was sitting in my pastor's office talking to him about that. And he goes, Robert, have you really told God how hard this is for you? I said, well, I I think I'm doing okay. He goes, I I know you're going to be okay, but have you really just gotten alone with him and gotten real with your pain? I said, no. He said, I want to encourage you to just get yourself alone. Shut the door and pour out your heart to God. You don't have to be a tough soldier right now, Robert. And I remember going into my office, shutting the door, turning off the light, getting on my knees. I still remember putting my head in that chair in my office and just telling God, God, it's so hard. I'm just trying to serve you. And yet I've been attacked and maligned. And thousands of people are, are, are getting these lies about me. And I, I just saw myself pushing that pain onto Jesus on the cross, and in the midst of that pain, God met me in such an intimate way. I can It's branded in my heart and branded in my mind. Can I just tell you that in your pain, you can be real with God? Some of you are in pain this morning, and you don't have to just be a soldier and say, I hope God comes through up there. No, you can go to God with your pain and say, Daddy, this is hard. Daddy, I'm suffering. And in the midst of your pain, God can come and bring a comfort that's supernatural, that supersedes anything on the earth. But here's the second thing we see. Because He is Father, I can trust that He has His best for me. The Bible says that, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Jesus says, Father, this is painful. If you could take it away from me, if you could take this cup away from me. But then he goes on to say this, but not my will, but your will. And so the Bible says that Jesus embraced the cross. He actually embraced the cross for the joy set before him. Because Jesus went to the cross, God was able to raise him from the dead. And he seated him above every other name that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus was willing to embrace that pain because he knew God had what's best for him. Do you understand that when we give ourselves to the will of God, he always has what's best for you? I didn't get many amens at all. <laughs> he always has your best in mind. Though suffering, though trials, though pain, though crying might come through the night, joy comes in the morning. He gives beauty for ashes, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Because he's Father, I can trust that even when things don't make sense, that if I will submit myself to his will and hold on to him, that he will bring out what's best for me. So when I come in prayer, I'm able to say, God, I think this is what was best, but in the end, I just want what you want is best because I know you have what's best for me. I remember this old Garth Brooks song, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayer, right? I want to tell you that some of the things I prayed for, I'm so glad that God didn't give me because he had something so much better. You can approach our Father and know that he has what's best in mind for you. So this is a prayer series I want to take you in to just a few minutes of how I have my face time, how I spend time praying. I always start in Scripture this year. I've been going through the Bible in a year. I use the Bible app every day, and I've been going through that. And after I finish my Bible reading, I go to my time of prayer. I start with Bible, and you can start however you want. I just need to have my mind washed first. But then I come to my time of prayer, and I come with the words, Our Father. Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer as a model. It's not just something to chant in church. Our Father, hallowed be thy name. Right? Like a robot. Right? Sometimes we, we say, let's say the Lord's Prayer, and everyone becomes robotic and catatonic. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. <laughs> the Lord's Prayer is a model. Each phrase is pregnant with power to thrust you into a new room, a new journey with God. And so I start with our Father. So let me just take you in to how I do it. I crank up my music, and I start pacing. I walk so I don't fall asleep. I start walking, and I say this to start my prayer time every morning. I say, our Father. I say, my Father. My Father. My Father. Say that with me. My Father. Say it again. My Father. I say it over and over and over again. Why? Because I I want to know that He's my possession, that I'm His possession. I want to know that that's the position He has in my life, that He is Father, that I'm His Son. And I say it because faith comes from hearing the Word of God faith comes. Scripture says faith comes from hearing the word of God. So I say my Father, over and over again to start my prayer time because I want faith to penetrate my heart that I have a heavenly Father that loves me. So I say my Father, say it with me, my Father. And I look at Him and I say my Father. And then I thank Him for how He's been my Father. The Bible says that we enter into His gates with thanksgiving in our heart. So let me just take you into my prayer time. I say, my Father, my Father, my Father. My Father, thank you for saving me. My Father, thank you for giving me new life. My Father, thank you for pouring out your Holy Spirit in me. My Father, thank you for forgiving me. My Father, thank you for healing me. My Father, thank you for redeeming my life from the pit. I just go over different ways that he has been my Father. My Father, thank you for protecting me. My Father, thank you for providing for me. And after I do that for a few minutes, just connecting with him as my father, then I thank him for how he's been my father in the last 24 hours. Like I I, I recount my actual life with him. My father, thank you that you provide My father, thank you for bringing this friend into my life that I just spent time with last night. My father, thank you for our prayer meeting. And someone came up and prayed for me, and they spoke a prophetic word that just ministered to my heart. You're a provider, and you're so nurturing to me. And I'm thanking him for how he's been my father. I say my father, then I thank him for what he's done as my father, and then I thank him for how he's been my father in in these last moments or these last days. And then I do this, Ephesians 1, 17, a prayer I've been praying over myself, a prayer I pray over you consistently. I keep asking God the Father, the glorious, uh, the glorious Lord Jesus, to give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in order that you might know him better. And I say, Father, I ask that you give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation in order to know your Father's love for me more. I pray that I'd know his father's love more. And then you know what I do? Is I wait for a minute and I ask him to speak over me his father's love, his father's blessing. This isn't, you know, we teach here in this church listening to the Lord, but this isn't the listening to the Lord for your daily assignment. This isn't listening to the Lord for what's going to happen that day. This is just listening to the Lord, your father conversing with you. There's something so beautiful about Walking into Starbucks and the seldom time, the, 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 those few times, but I bet you've seen it, where there's a father having a date with his daughter. Right? Or there's something so beautiful when you're, you're on the beach and you see a father walking on the beach and just talking with his son. And you just say, that, that's how it should be. That's how the world should be. And that's what I'm doing in this moment. Is I'm saying, now, Father, here I am with you knee to knee, what do you want to speak over me? One of my favorite questions to ask him, I I dare you to write this down. Father, what do you love about me? Father, what do you love about me? You made me. What do you love about me? And I just wait and ask him, can we just do that for a second? We just close your eyes just for a second? And you're probably not going to hear an audible voice, because if you hear an audible voice, it's going to mess the rest of us up. But you'll most likely have a phrase come to mind or you'll just feel something in your heart. And we're going to ask the Father what he loves about you because he loves you. He created you and he wants to speak to you. Just wait for a second. Father, would you speak to our hearts and our minds right now through the Holy Spirit what you love about us? Amen. Yeah, I never know what God's going to say. I felt like God said, I love that you're funny. I don't know if you think I'm funny, but God does. (laughs) What does God love about you? You need to hear daily what God loves about you. And that's how I start. I start with that possession He's mine, He's mine. And then I start with that position. He's my father. I'm his son. And do you understand the place of rest that we can come into our prayer? We don't have to worry. I'm not worthy. We, we come in in a place of security. You know, but I, I know when I preach this message that there's some in the room that say, Robert, when, when I say father, I can't connect with God that way because you don't know my dad. My dad left me at an early age, or you don't know my dad. My dad was a harsh. Man, I don't even want to think about God as Father because my view of Father is so skewed. Can I just tell you that God wants to heal that? I remember a woman when we first started the church. She had the worst father situation I had ever heard. It had absolutely destroyed every aspect of her life. She she actually walked around hunched over. She kept her physical appearance unkept. She she couldn't hold down a job. She couldn't drive. She would talk about when she tried to pray, just horrible images would come into her mind. Her father was a Satanist, and he did sat- satanic abuse to her. I can't even repeat the things that happened to her and that she was made To do. And so when she would try to pray, our Father, she said just graphic images would come into her head. So we sat down. I said, You know, the Lord wants to heal you, the Lord wants to come into those memories and and rewrite your past. God was there, and He wants to speak the truth over you. God wants to set you free. And so I remember sitting with her and another one of our leaders in our church, and we sat on this couch, and we invited God to come into the pain of her abuse. And it was so hard for her, and she was, she was struggling with it. And then she went into this one memory of something that she had done, and she just believed she was unworthy to ever connect with the Father. And at that moment, when she was dealing with that, this righteous anger came over me. And I felt this phrase in my heart, and I knew I had to do something. And we had our eyes closed, and we were very quiet. And I said, I just need you to brace yourself just for one moment because the Father's saying something. And I yelled over her, That's not right! Something broke in the room. All of a sudden, she started seeing the Father come into her memory and he moved her dad away and he wrapped her up and she started crying I saw her three months later she didn't look like the same person her hair was done she had makeup on she was beautifully dressed she was holding down her first job she got her driver's license Every single thing in her whole life had changed because she had experienced the love of a father. Can I just tell you that that's what God wants to do in those who are most broken in this room. He wants you to encounter his love. I want to finish our message by reading over you who the father is. I'd ask you to stand up right now and if you're comfortable I'd encourage you to just open your hands and I'm going to read it to you a paraphrase it's entitled the Lord's the Father's Love Letter now I want to read these verses and I want to ask you to let them sink into your heart because this is who God says you are this is how God relates to you you just receive this by faith I'm going to read it to you, but just take it as God reading right to you. It's from his holy scripture. My child, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. Psalm 139. I know when you sit down and when you rise up, I am familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered. For you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being. For you are my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake, for all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you forth on the day you were born. I've been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I'm not distant and angry, but am the complete expression of love. And it's my desire to lavish my love on you. Simply because you're my child and I'm your father, I offer you more than any earthly father ever could, for I'm the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand, for I am your provider. I meet all your needs. My plan for your future, has always been filled with hope, because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts towards you are countless as the sand on the seashore. I rejoice over you with singing, I will never stop doing good to you, for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul and I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. Delight in me and I will give you the desires of your heart. For it's I who gave you those desires. I'm able to do more than you could possibly imagine, for I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in your troubles. When you're brokenhearted, I'm close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I've carried you close to my heart. One day I'll wipe away every tear from your eyes, and I'll take away all the pain you've suffered on this earth. I am your Father, and I love you even as I love my Son, Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you and to tell you that I'm not counting your sins against you. Jesus died so that you could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love. I gave up everything I love that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son, Jesus, you receive me and nothing will ever separate you from my love. Come home. And I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I've always been father and will always be father. Lord, I ask for that revelation over us today. I thank you that that's the truth of the word of God. And that nothing can separate us from your love. And I pray that we'd be a spiritual family who comes and relates to you in prayer first and foremost as our Father. Can I have the prayer team come up right now? If you need prayer this morning, if you've never given your life to Jesus, He wants to save your soul, come forward this morning if you've never given your life to Jesus. Just tell one of these guys, I need God in my life. Pray with me so God can forgive my sins and come into my life. Today you might be struggling with the thought, is God really a loving Father? Let one of these guys pray for you. Today, you might have a physical problem. You might have an emotional problem. There's some struggle in your life. Come and receive prayer from the family of God and get the blessing of the Father. I'm going to sing one last song to close our time, and you come now as you need prayer. Right now, come forward.